When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We're going to dive in and get ready for the open practice tomorrow. And some guys we're interested in seeing. It is not June yet, but man, oh man, Nebraska's lining up some visits here for June once the recruiting dead period expires. A couple of names to tell you about on that. Uh, we'll... Spend some time with Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. The Varsity Club podcast is his. It's a must-listen to. We'll check in and we'll also get into some Air Jordan discussion with Petey because he's kind of a connoisseur of uh, the Air Jordan brand and going to get his top five on things. I bring this up because Junior and my brother have a uh, kind of a shoe show coming up. There's going to be a, a showcase going on, I think, out on West O here towards the end of the month. And uh, my brother has gone hog wild on acquiring gear, gear to turn and sell. So I want some of Dr. Petey's takes. If he was buying one of the five Air Jordans, he'd go after. Well, and I know it looks like the process of getting all these, like, rare shoes quote-unquote yeah. it's just ridiculous my now kids like- online we had to scream at him last night facetime and why are you still up it's gone from being on the video game setup or system because he's still grounded to being on his phone waiting for these yeezys or these special edition jordans to drop so we can get in and try and buy them get a hold of them oh yeah because they go quick there's like 500 pairs and you got to have the sneakers app and you, like you do yeah. and then you try and turn and flip them and you make some money now what do you think of the uh the Lil nas x shoes Did give me a little those? no i have not please um let's see the the whole theme of them was satan Okay. There was a there was a drop of human blood in each of the My soles God, of the shoe. No. There was like some awful Bible verse about like Satan on there, and they only made uh what six hundred and sixty six pairs of, of them. Uh, yes, of, of course. The sign of the beast. Why not? Yeah. Um, so conservative America was absolutely flipping out about that. Well, I I am I I have just heard of it and I'm appalled and I don't get appalled by much, but there's a drop of human blood. My God! Yeah, at, at first glance, you look at the shoe and go, "That's a pretty good looking shoe." Until you see who, like who who made them? Nike, Adidas. Uh, I believe Nike. Yeah, really? Yeah, and then uh, they, it's like a pretty good looking shoe until I see like the pentagram on there and I go, "Like I'm staying no, the hell away from I, this." I, I don't want the goat head. Not in. No, nope. thank you. So okay, I I don't know that that'll be part of uh, uh, my brother and, and and Junior's collection acquisition. 
So, no, we'll, we'll dive into that. Bill Dolman's with us in an hour. And then Rick Pizzo going to be with us, get his take on some Husker baseball. And uh, we'll also hear from Will Bolt. And Pizzo's got a busy weekend of uh, first-round talks. Pizzo's spending a lot of time with uh, a number of Big Ten kids that are going to go in that first round. We're looking at six to eight Big Ten kids that'll go. A couple of Northwestern guys, likely first-round picks. Where's Justin Fields land? Micah Parsons. And, you know, I think of Micah Parsons, and I think of the Friday Night Light camp he was at where he's running go routes as a, uh, a linebacker that could line up on the outside and beat most cornerbacks because he runs a 4-4. So uh, I, I look at that and I look at some of the, the rosters that Nebraska has been able to put together, and they're always in the, the mode of acquiring talent, and you, you got to get that talent here to visit. They're going to have some kids that will be here for, uh, for, the, for the open practice, but they're also – you're going to have some kids here for uh, the spring game, and that is so key to get them a seat front and center uh, on their own dime, obviously, because the, the dead period's not expired. But just the, the relationship, and I, I give Nebraska credit, man. I, I give them credit for just how dogged they are with, and you got to be, I get it, but some staffs, uh, kind of wait for for you to come to them in some instances in Nebraska as you look at the 2022 cycle and 2023 class. I mean they are they are in it already, and I want to start out with a couple of guys that are going to be June visitors. June fourth is the date circled for running back Justin Williams. He is out of Georgia, Dallas, Georgia, to be exact, and then uh, a guy that uh, just today. Uh, also is going to be uh, finding his way to Lincoln is Chase Androff. He's a tight end out of Lakeville, Minnesota. And I was watching a little film here on Justin Williams, and I look at, at Williams and a guy that is coming off a, a monster junior season. He's six foot, about 200 pounds, just shy of 1,500 yards, almost 300 receiving yards, 19 touchdowns. And he's a four-star back. He's a four-star talent. Coach Becton is alive and well in in Georgia. I mean, Nebraska's done well getting some Georgia kids here. And uh, you look at case in point, Gabe Irvin's a guy we're going to be watching tomorrow. What's he look like during open practice? But uh, with Williams, he's uh, been in constant contact with Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska offered him in October, regular contact. And uh, it's been Scott Frost and Ryan Held and, and Barrett Rude leading the way. And uh, when it comes to Williams, and a good story here from Parker Gabriel on it, uh, Williams is like, yeah, I know Nebraska used to be a powerhouse, uh, and it's a good school to go to if you want to be a, a running back that has a chance to get to to the next level. I mean, Mills, obviously a Georgia kid. Gabe Irvin's uh, from Buford, Georgia. Ronald Tompkins from Loganville. There's so much talent in Georgia. So uh, you have an official visit scheduled for Louisville for Williams, uh, also West Virginia and South Florida. It sounds like West Virginia is kind of in the lead, but we'll see if Nebraska can can make an impact, make an impression. So the kid can absolutely get through the hole. I mean, these are highlights. These are huddle highlights. So there's... 70 80 yard touchdown runs that are just he's untouched 
He's wearing a flag. He's untouched. There's no yards after contact because there was no contact. And I was like, who does who does Williams remind me of? A running style. I'm like, well, the way he's able to get lateral and then upfield, and I know he's a little bit taller than Amir, but he kind of reminds me of Amir with his just the, the way he carries his body and then also the way he kind of grips the football cross body, going through traffic, spinning through problems. Dare I go Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, th- those are the two names that kind of jumped to my mind. And I think his mother was a world-class sprinter. So he has that uh, in his back pocket if you need it. And I, I like that that Zeke comparison. He obviously completely unrefined. Am I, am I off? Or no, does no it, because does it it, kinda... it's the same thing as Zeke at Ohio State where he didn't really make any astounding moves, but he knew where the hole would be. He hit the hole hard, and then he, he had the vision through the second he level. He glided away from problems, yes. and he was so good about... It wasn't a one-on-one uh, stutter step go. It was, I'm getting the hole, the defense overruns it, or I'm able to cut off of a shoulder and go diagonal. And I think of the think of the, the, the highlight runs in that shootout win Ohio State had back in 14 against Alabama. That's exactly what I'm thinking think, of. Think of the big <laughs> bursts that, that Zeke had in that game. I mean, obviously 12-gauge went deep a lot and in, in Ohio State won in a, in a high-scoring affair, but it was, the, it was the run game for Ohio State and Ezekiel Elliott in 14 that was money. And I don't want to call Justin Williams the, the next Zeke Elliott. That isn't fair. But that's who he reminds me of. Got a little bit of a mirror and a little bit of, of, um, of, of Zeke in him. And that's, that's where I'm at. I love how he gets through the hole and then he accelerates and then he's able. And you nailed it. His vision is what's pretty big wow factor for me yeah it all, it all just always seems like he's taken like it, it's you know like the center fielder in baseball like they, they do in the they check the stats see like how efficient their path was to the the area where the fly ball lands and that's what i see with this kid just like it always seems like whenever he breaks one in the open field he's always picking that most efficient route to get past the defender uh and get to the end zone really because half these total highlights are ending up in the end zone uh a couple of kids from kansas to keep an eye on out of uh out of hayes kansas jaron canick and Gavin Myers, uh, Canick's a, a guy that kind of does it all. Uh, three-star prospect. Uh, he's uh, a guy that's uh, running back, linebacker, quarterback for kind of a Tebow-type run play setup. Myers is uh, also uh, a kid that uh, plays inside linebacker. And uh, Nebraska able to, to get in early on those guys. Kansas State is there to challenge. Iowa State on the radar as well. And, um, you know, they, they like Nebraska both because of kind of the blue-collar mentality, uh, which is nice to hear. Other defensive names to keep in mind here for June visits for the, for the camp circuit. Uh, you got defensive lineman Nico Davalier. He's out of Arkansas, 6'3", 275. Georgia, Arkansas, Tennessee on him. You can go by stars if you like, and that is – accurate in some instances the thing i like though is is who's the peer recruiters if i look at the sec going after a kid that means he's pretty high level talent uh defensive lineman jalen marshall he's out of overland park kansas kansas city region uh oklahoma state's uh, got a family tie with him 
but Nebraska's there. James Mons, uh, of course, Wonder Mons is his uncle. He's a quarterback prospect. Nebraska's going to get on campus. And uh, they, they're kind of fighting with Louisville, Purdue, and Cincinnati for him. And then you have uh, uh, Grant Page out of Boulder. He's a six foot two wideout. And, and you've got Popeye, the uh, outside linebacker that's uh, pretty high level. Popeye Williams, Nebraska, in on him. But uh, the other all name team is uh, safety Mumu bin Wahad. He's out of Loganville, Georgia. He's going to visit Nebraska June 25th. He's looking at West Virginia and Georgia Tech. Uh, Mumu and Popeye would be part of the all-name uh, list here for Nebraska. But in all in all seriousness here, I've been pretty pretty wowed here by what I've seen from Williams. I know you need linemen. I know you need pass rushers. I know you need secondary people. But I like what I've seen from Williams so far. And, and my recruiting pitch to that kid is you have picked the perfect time to graduate. Uh, it is name image and likeness season you already have the perfect name i already have a company in mind which would be perfect for you popeye williams like we're nebraska we can help you get there that's my recruiting pitch there you go elijah herbal from downtown bang numbers to get in today 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865 email chris at hailvarsity.com and uh, also uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. MJ Morris, of course, going to be visiting the spring game. He's the top quarterback target for Nebraska for 2022. And I saw this earlier in the week and uh, watched some of his film. And he's more of a pro style than a dual threat. How does the, the name and film of Reese Mooney grab you? He's a kid out of Louisiana. Daddy's a big Nebraska fan. He's a recruit that just decommitted from Houston baseball, and uh, he's a guy that can play middle infield and wants to do that, it sounds like, uh, per Greg Smith. But, man, he's a 2023 quarterback, but he has really got a nice arm, and even though he's pro-style, he's able to kind of move around and roll around in the pocket. And uh, I think Mooney's a guy that uh, Nebraska is in on early. He's been in a lot of contact with Scott Frost. And uh, Miami likes him. I think he'll take a, a visit to Miami. Uh, Cincinnati, Colorado, USC. Uh, the list is long for this uh, quarterback who's in Illinois. Uh, the pig farmer's all over him. And then your, your uh, second favorite team, uh, Lane Kiffin and Old Miss, have been there uh, quite a bit on his doorstep. Michigan State, Georgia, Florida State as well. So this kid's got a just a slew of offers. But uh, so he's really high on, on Miami, Nebraska, and kind of medium on Ole Miss right now. So, and, 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 But when I'm like here, I'm, I got his highlights pulled up in front of me. And he's not the most beat you with your legs guy, but he's got that same trait that the other baseball players that play quarterback have. Like, I mean, think of Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Just get out of trouble. Justin Fields. And, and they have that ability to to throw on the run, getting out of trouble, throwing off platform. I mean, he said he's a middle infielder. That Mahomes played shortstop. Pretty sure Kyler Murray played shortstop. Uh, Russell Wilson was also a middle infielder and outfielder. Kyler, Kyler Murray would have gone number nine overall or was drafted number nine overall to Oakland, for the love of God. But, but, <laughs> first, first pick overall in the NFL, ninth pick overall in the Major League Baseball draft. Yeah, but, but this Mooney kid's got the same traits that those guys have. Obviously, I don't want to talk him up too much because he is just a, a high school quarterback, but he, he's got that ability and flashes to throw off platform and get himself out of some trouble. So I, I just... 
instantly love the idea of a baseball player coming and playing quarterback because it seems to be working in the NFL. Right on. And um, that, that mobility is so key. We'll dive into some uh, players to watch for Saturday when it comes to the open practice. Is it like long john weather tomorrow? I'm going to have to bundle up, bundle up, like winter coat, stocking hat. I'm going to be umpiring tomorrow, and I'm going to be probably wearing some. Yeah, but you're going to have like John's. 80 pounds of gear on you, won't you? Uh, most likely. Where, where are you uh, umping at? That's a very good question. You're like, um, uh, haven't uh, gotten that far into my weekend yet. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just, w- with the uh, with the rain in the forecast, I'm hoping it's a, a field turf field, or it's a field that drains well so I can actually get out there and go umpire. No. That, that, it's supposed to be raining all night. Yeah, that'd be good. You're going to get the old text that says, uh, games have been pushed back. Uh, we shall see. And that'd be the worst case scenario because i got to watch Jake Paul fight Ben Askren tomorrow night. Yeah, you're into that uh, MMA stuff, dude. Yeah, but this is just this is boxing. It's gonna be a little different. Huh. So it's it's Jake Paul, the YouTuber, against Ben Askren, the professional fighter. I wonder who's gonna win. That'll be all right. Boxing's kind of my thing. We'll uh, hear from Derek Peterson, Doctor Petey from Hale Varsity next. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you on a Friday, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We uh, welcome in uh, the good doctor, Derek Peterson, with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, and Dr. Petey, HV on Twitter. So, Derek, Elijah just scared the heck out of me, telling me about these uh, shoes that got dropped by Nike. We'll get into football in two seconds that actually have human blood. Explain these, Elijah. It's the the Lil Nas X shoe. It was something to do with his uh, his music video, which dropped a couple weeks ago. And it was like in the the Satan was prominently featured in that music which video. Which is not I guess. not good. We're, we're, we're anti Satan <laughs> on the show. Um, <laughs> just so so we're all clear. But uh, Petey, you you do an awesome job. Uh, every time I see you, you got a pair of kicks on that are pretty awesome, man. Thank you. You're not it's getting... a collection we're trying to build. Okay, so where are we at in the collection? Um, it's a, it's it's a it's a I mean it's it's still small. It's growing. I, I've got I've got a good I've got a pretty good collection I think building. We're adding some pieces. There's some stuff that, um, you know, like I have you know the, um. The Spider-Man ones that came out in 2018 with the release of the the Into the Spider Into the Spider-Verse movie. Um, those are are ones that are on my wish list that I'm saving for because I got to pay a stupid resell for those. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Rookie of the Year ones are are definitely on my my list that I'm saving for. Um, I've got I mean I've got a pair of of the uh, the UNC ones that dropped last month. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a pair of threes that my wife bought me for our wedding anniversary um, that were uh, part of the the Justin Timberlake Man of the Woods um, promotional tour. Um, those are a cherished item, and I got the uh, the Jubilee 25th anniversary 11s that that dropped last December. So we're we've got we've got some there are some good pieces in the closet. Um, when uh, when Alex found out the uh, the the total value. <laughs> the shoes in that closet mm-hmm. she was uh, a little surprised um but we're, we're growing do you uh just kind of 
look at them, or do you you'll you'll like you'll wear the Jordans? You wore the Carolina ones oh, the yeah. other day to practice. Oh yeah. Are you are you hoping to flip them ever and and make some money, or are you no. just like no? I love them. Then I wear them. No, yeah, I I want them to wear them, and like it, um, there's there's a they've turned into like a commodity for some people, like my brother, um, yeah, which I don't. I don't really, I don't really get that. I don't really understand that. It also makes it tougher for um, somebody like myself who just wants them to wear them, just because, you know, I, I'm a, a fashion dork and uh, I'm with Aaron Sorensen and that we both like shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I just, I, I want them to wear them. And so if I can, if I can get them at retail, then then I'm, I'll put in a lot of work try to make sure that I can get him at retail, even though the drops suck and like he hates retail. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if, if I can't get him at retail, then I can't afford him and I got to move on to the next one. Now, now Derek, one of my, uh, one of my roommates, I was out playing basketball with him and one of the other guys in the court was like, are you sure you want to wear those Kobe's man? And he's like, I was just looking on, uh, on some website last night. Like they're, they're going for 500 bucks. We looked up the price on, I think it was stock X. And there was uh, there was that same pair of Kobe's going for five hundred dollars on StockX, and he's like, "Well, I'm going to keep wearing them for basketball. They're they're the most comfortable basketball shoes I got." Is that sacrilege? Because I mean, basketball can put a toll on some shoes. I mean, I have uh, I have a pair of Jordan Twenty Eights that were purchased for me actually by my wife um, when we were in college. That uh, that that I wear exclusively as basketball shoes. Um, It was when Russell Westbrook first signed with Jordan, so they're they're a pair of, of his sort of line of the 28th, um, and I wore, you know, I mean, I just destroyed the insole on those things because I, I warmed to the, the basketball court at the, the student rec center like every single day. I had a pair of Kobe's actually, uh, the, uh, the Kobe 9 Easters that I, that I, um, I, they're, I know they're worth a lot. They're worth a lot of money, and I uh, gave them to a, a, a guy for uh, his son. They were looking for Kobe's, and I gave them to a guy for his son um, for like a hundred bucks. Just he wanted them, couldn't afford them for mm-hmm. for resale, and so I, I gave them to him because I hadn't worn them in forever. But like I had, uh, you know, I got those when they came out like five or six years ago, or whenever it was, and I got those when they first came out, and I wore those for basketball too. So I mean, like there are some people that just put them up and have them on display or put shoes up and, and leave them in the box or whatever and never touch them. Um, I don't know what all the technical terminology is, but like I wear them. I don't care. I wear them. I think they're cool. Good enough, man. And uh, I had to, to get in there on the, uh, the shoe collection and, and get an update uh, tomorrow, Nebraska open practice. Who are you circling to watch? If you, if you had two guys that you had to zero in on, who are they? Give me one offense. Give me one defense. Um, Omar Toure <laughs> on offense. <laughs> Omar Toure, sure. Oh, that that Omar works. <laughs> <laughs> on offense, I want to see those two guys. Um, defense. I I I'm, I'm gonna say it's hard because there's so many. I want there's so many guys in the secondary that I want to see mm-hmm. right, and, and you've got some of those guys that are. Uh, they're still a little limited um, because they're coming back from injuries last year. Talking about Miles Farmer and Braxton Clark, I really want to see what those two guys look like. Um, you know, they've been, they've been here for a couple of years, and, and both guys were, were going to have prominent roles if not for injury last year. At least that's what they've told us. Mm-hmm. Um, Quentin Newsom is, is is really really interesting as as a, a 
opposite corner, a complementary corner to Cam Taylor Britt. Um, Noel Pola Gates is a guy that we've kind of been told, yeah, you're going to see him on the field this year. He's ready for a role. Adap Joseph is kind of there waiting in the wings. I just, I, I, I'm very interested in that secondary because I really do agree with Travis Fisher when he says they have the, the right mix in the secondary to have one of the best secondaries in the conference and, and be in that conversation for some of the better secondaries in the country. Um, so I'm really curious to see what those guys look like. I'm curious to get sort of an extended look for the first time in a year at, at what those guys look like in a, in, in a practice setting. Um, which I know, you know, I cheated on both answers, but no, that's that's both, fine. It was an ex- it was an expanded and, answer, and Derek yeah. Peterson's with us. And no, the, the secondary is pretty unique because of just how they get coached, how they're trained. I mean, they're cross trained. Yeah, you, you may be a corner, but you're going to know how to do safety and, and vice versa. And with Noah Pola Gates, yeah, he's a guy that's put the time in, gotten healthy, and we saw. What a, what a monster impact pre-injury that Farmer made. I mean, just think of that Northwestern game and how how well he played and how well he adjusted to you know, a really good football team in Northwestern after just a couple of series. Not, not playing college ball that much, but you know, using his practice time and getting better. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you there on Farmer. And, and Clark and Newsom opposite Cam Taylor-Britz is intriguing. And I was pretty fascinated by some of the talking points about Nadab Joseph uh, from from Coach Chenander this week. Just what type of physical specimen you have that's now kind of got locked in, Derek, uh, mentally and off the field. So it sounds like he's a guy that could really make a push. And in Nebraska, it sounds like Nebraska's feeling good as is with their options at corner. Yeah, for sure, and I think you can sort of extend that to just the defense in general. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, it's been, it's been a painstaking process for them to just sort of build the depth, the kind of depth that they're comfortable with, um, to, to sort of make it through a Big Ten season. And this year, um, you know, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think can be the first year of of their tenure here, this coaching staff's tenure, Scott Frost's tenure here, that where where you know we might be able to say like, yeah, they're there. You know they've got they've got the depth because you know we just rattled off a bunch of names um, at DB that we're interested in and that's those are guys that are behind three um, really really good DBs that are going to take up the lion's share of the snaps probably at at three of those four spots and then you go to linebacker and you know Will just at inside linebacker like Will Honus is a little limited this spring um, and. <laughs> It it might that might work in Nebraska's favor just from a depth building standpoint because you've got Chris Kolarovich coming in uh, from from the FCS level that they seem really really high on. Uh, you've got Nick Henrich and and Luke Kreimer right there, and and you can get some snaps for a guy like Randolph Kapai. You can get some snaps for um, you know maybe try to see if you can get Jackson Hand out there. Uh, you can you can get some snaps to Va. Um, you know they got it a lot of dudes at linebacker and they got a bunch of dudes on the defensive line like everybody's um favorite 2020 recruit the polar bear nash hutmacher it's like all right where are we going to find snaps for this dude <laughs> like there there are just so many options kind of across the board that that you can start talking about and, and talk about why you're interested in them for for like five minutes mm. um so you know i i think like you know 
yeah, they're they're happy with Dab Joseph in the secondary. But they're happy with a lot of guys just on the defense. And so, you know, Brandon Fogel and I talked about this on my podcast. Like, this is going to be an interesting year for them just in terms of we might be able to finally see, you know, some of the fruits of of, of just all of the labor that they've put in trying to build the depth of this team. Uh, Derek, whenever you look at that large crop of guys returning, i got about a, a minute left here, uh, a lot of Husker fans expecting these guys are just going to step back in and start again next season. Um, but is that the case? I mean, there's the younger guys below them. You talk about depth, but are they necessarily going to be depth guys? Can you see any of those guys actually jumping over some of these guys who've decided to re- return for another season? Uh, and instead of waiting in the wings for their season, they can actually make that jump and start this year? Or are those guys that are turning pretty much shoe-ins for, for starting? I mean, it, it's kind of a yes and no answer. Nobody, nobody is ever really a shoe in as a starter. Um, anything can happen. We're still, what, like five or six months away from the start of the season or whatever it is. Um, you know, but at the same time, like Georgia Dome is going to play a ton. Um, Cam Taylor Britt and Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke, those guys are going to play a ton. Um, Ben Stilley's going to, to have a role on the defensive line. Those those guys, just in terms of the, you know the combination that they have of talent and experience, and you know just those are the guys that are sort of the heart and soul of your of your defense. Those guys are going to play a ton. Um, you know the 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 thing is, and, and like there's another thing that we talked about on my podcast is I I'm increasingly um, less interested in a traditional depth chart because, you know, ideally they just want a bunch of dudes that they can put on the field. And if, if you know, you have Cam Taylor Britt, you can move around if you have, like, Braxton Clark and Quentin Newsom ready to go at corner. Um, and you can do some fun stuff with Cam Taylor Britt. Um, you can do some fun stuff with, with the crop of linebackers that they have if, if they have a bunch of depth. So, um, you know, to answer your question, I, I think those guys, no, no coach is going to say those guys are a shoe in, but you know they're going to play. They're going to play a lot. Derek Peterson with us, Dr. Petey. We'll see you at uh, practice tomorrow. Thanks for the time today. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Chime in 402 466 ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal will get into some Husker baseball in a moment. Bill Dolman in 20 minutes. Rick Pizzo, some Big Ten NFL draft thoughts here next hour. Just to kind of put a little bit of a bow on the uh, the open practice tomorrow. And first and foremost, what are you, what are you putting down number-wise? 4,000s, the max, do they sell out? Not sell out, but... Is it maximum capacity? Is it three grand? Is it somewhere in between three and four? Are you, are you going? Uh, I, I got to go work, so I don't think so. So you're like, <laughs> no. No. I'm, I, I got to figure out how I got to find a spring game ticket, though. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I need to there's get gonna be There's going to be... It's going to be a, a reenactment of the Nebraska-Miami game in 14 where there's some dude on the corner right before you get to South Stadium with like eight together, their <laughs> 50-yard line, and he needs a G for him. See, my, my problem with I just have so many like good Husker football outfits that I haven't gotten the chance to wear now. They're getting like, back into fashion. Like I, I, 
I bought these outfits for a reason. I need to show them off. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't buy them for myself. <laughs> so you just don't randomly wear Nebraska gear around anymore. Well, well not like the, the like some of that stuff's got some some real steez to it. And like, what, what do you what do you have? I got a, a ninety one crew neck sweatshirt. That's really Ooh, cool. Yeah. So like it's nineteen ninety one from like, nineteen ninety one vintage. Um, it was between that and a ninety four orange bowl crew neck uh, sweatshirt. And I decided to get the uh, the other one. It's got like. It's Herbie Husker's head imposed on uh, on a Husker football player, and it's got like, it's it's really cool looking. And then I also got a uh, uh, a starter jacket that I was actually like the all red starter jacket, the all red starter up. jacket button up, and it's actually got a name on it. And I'm trying to figure out who this football player mm. is. Maybe well, I got to talk to Babcock. Like. It was uh, it said Holiday. Really? So I'm not sure whose jacket it was. H O L A D A Y. If anyone knows, Colin, I, I think that might it's, be a question for Mike It's not Babcock. Holloway, is it? No, it's not Holloway. <laughs> <laughs> it's Holiday. I was like looking through rosters. Like I was like, who is this guy? And I don't know. But mm. but it, I look really good in the jacket, so that's all that really matters. Those were the best. Like the starter snap-ups yep. were good. Yep. Those uh, were good. So Gabe Irvin tomorrow, pretty intriguing. Uh, he's the guy who's been available, put the work in. And listen, tomorrow's going to be, and I like vanilla ice cream, so I'm, I'm good with it being pretty basic and standard. I'm just excited to in person see the team hit a little bit. And we'll see how much contact there is, how much of a preview to, to May 1st it is. But Gabe Irvin's exciting. Excited to see him run the football and just what he can do with that that first unit offensive line group. Give me 5, 10, 15 plays of him trying to run downhill. Omar Manning, right? Is he a unicorn or is he real? And uh, he's a special enough talent. He could be a unicorn. And uh, there's been footage of him making plays. But between him and Toure, I mean, that's that's cool. The quarterbacks, right? Here's Here's a question for you. And... What is the push going to continue to be like for who settles into that number two spot? Adrian's uh, doing his thing this spring, but where's Smothers at in comparison to Harburg? You'd ideally want a redshirt Harburg. But if he is a guy that is wowing you and is capable physically and the mental part continues to come along, and his athleticism and arm strength give you a better option or have more upside. Say he just is is better, but he's younger. And I'm not saying Smothers is not doing some good things. But you got to ask yourself here, okay, there's Adrian, there's the portal, there's Harburg, there's Smothers. God forbid if, if 2 a.m. gets dinged up, where do you go here for 2021? at some point during the season with Harburg. And you got the four-game redshirt rule, I understand. But with Smothers, he needs to continue to, to get reps and develop. And, and I think there, it's encouraging with what we've heard, but we get to see. We get to see a little bit tomorrow on where Smothers is at throwing the football. We also get to see a little bit tomorrow with where Harburg's at when it comes to what he can do and what kind of grasp he has on the offense. That's, that's very real. Uh, where the backup quarterbacks are at and how they look uh, against uh, a defense, whether it's first-team defense or, or fifth-team defense. you got a lot of dudes on the defensive side of the ball that we just went through 
an entire roster of, of, of corners. <laughs> there's, there's four starters, and then the guys we've named have all been in the program for a while. That that's who you're going to see Smothers and Harburg going against. It may it, it may be Cam Taylor Britt. It may be Noah Pola Gates. It may be Dismuke. It, it, it could be uh, it could be Lynam. It, it could be a guy like Nadab Joseph. So that that kind of intrigues me tomorrow here, where the quarterbacks are at, and if they're handing off all of the time, fine. But just to see him in pads and to see him in actions, all right. Phil Darius Payne's a guy that has had a whole offseason. He was mentioned this week. You know, what kind of what kind of guy can he become uh, getting after the quarterback? Because he's gotten stronger. He's gotten his role down a little bit more. And and he's a guy that, that showed something to me the last couple, three games, at least getting into the backfield. So he's, he's an option. Outside linebacker is always a discussion point. Blaze Gunderson, Jamari Butler, guys that you didn't hear or see much of last year because they were – uh, getting acclimated, they'll be on display tomorrow too. Yeah, can somebody just develop a pass rush move that can work for them? That's what I'm looking for. Um, but also, uh, at the middle linebacker spot, he, he, we, we had Derek talk about it last segment. Um, you you kind of know Honus is going to have a lion's share of the snaps at the middle backer spot. Who's next to him is a little bit up in the air. But then, I mean, you saw last year, the Huskers were running out four to five inside linebackers every single game. So just having one guy in Will Honus, then you got your second guy. Maybe it's uh, uh, Henrich. Uh, maybe it's yeah, Rymers. Rymer, yeah. You, you have three, but you probably need four or five. Exactly. So I'm looking to see uh, the, the transfer, Kalarvich. Uh, how is he looking in the spring? I mean, he did great in the testing numbers. Has mm-hmm. he kind of picked up in a, like the, as the, the inside linebacker is kind of the, the quarterback of that defense? Is he able to step in there? That's that's what I'm looking to see. I'm really excited to see how that inside linebacker spot looks because that's the most up in the air position. Because I mean, defensive line you got so much turning talent, got a lot of returning talent in the secondary. You know, you got JoJo Doman at outside backer and also Garrett Nelson. But who is going to be that that inside linebacker spot uh, to lock it down next to Will Honus? Here's your four right now, and can you get through the season with these four, uh, with Honus and Rymers and Kalarvik and uh, and then you got Henrich, right? And Henrich can kind of moonlight inside or outside, and the way Henrich finished the season. I mean, he led the team in tackles against Rutgers with 12 because he's all over it. I mean, he's a hell of a good football player and he's been able to stay healthy. Those are your four. And I know it was conference only last year for eight games, but to get through the season like they did with with Rymers, who got dinged from time to time, but still played great football. Same with Honus. You know, he had the offseason growing um, procedure. So both of those guys went through the the eight game kind of war last year, and then you had Henrich come along and and picking up the the Northern Iowa kids really big. Now there's other inside backers to to look at, but those are your four. And how do they navigate tomorrow and beyond? Yeah, one last name to look at in the defense: the pride of Lincoln Southeast, Isaac Gifford. Heard heard a lot about him in the uh, he is so d- diverse with what he can do. We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Proud of Fairberry's on the way. Bill Dolman, 10 minutes. He'll have a take or two on the recruiting and uh, transfer situation in college football now that was passed by the NCAA. Darren Ravel reporting the... Uh, Numbers here for the month of March with several states that have uh, 
legalized sports gaming that's on the doorstep here because you've got the uh, casinos that are going to be put to uh, an expansion when it comes to poker and blackjack and uh, the uh, casino gaming here in Lincoln and, of course, in central Nebraska, in Grand Island, and I think also in uh, in Columbus. And, in, of course, across the river, you've got the, the casinos there in Council Bluffs. New Jersey had $860 million wagered in the month of March. NCAA tournament, yes, get it. Pennsylvania, $560 million. Indiana, $317 million. Michigan, $214 million in 20 days. Yeah, because they didn't, they didn't legalize until like halfway through March. Right. Iowa, $161 million. So you have three, make that four Big Ten states with it. And, of course, that's kind of the next question here. Will you allow a sports book and sports gambling to go with your casino games? I mean, you, you, you would assume. Now, I don't know what type of restrictions will be put on uh, if you get the sports gaming aspect passed. Will you be able to bet on Nebraska or not? Or bet against Nebraska or not? Pull the old Pete Rose. Well, I didn't bet on him. Didn't bet against him either. So those are some incredible numbers. At this point, what, what's I mean? There, I see the argument against it is like, oh, it can lead to no, gambling it, addiction. But right. like, if you have one, you might as well bring in the sports gaming side. I mean, my, my thing with it is just people can drive to to Council Bluffs and go gamble if they really want to. Yeah, we did how many shows from sports books pre COVID? Yeah, I mean, I just saw the, the Gary Sharp show was up in Council Bluffs today because mm-hmm. people are going up there and gambling. So why lose our tax dollars here in the state of Nebraska to the state of Iowa? Whenever because it's it's twenty minutes from people in Omaha, they can just go drive across the river. You can walk across the bridge <laughs> and fire up. the app up. Yeah, you're halfway across the bridge. Give me a hundred and a half on the Dodgers tonight. Yeah. So what, what's when you when you really look at that? Why not just take the tax money off of it here in Nebraska and, and get a little money? I mean, or a lot of money. <laughs> I see some of our roads and all the, the construction work we're putting in. I bet we could use some some more road construction, honestly. I'm like more I, interested in not, you know, selling my firstborn so I can license my vehicle. Oh, or just lower my property taxes a little bit. How about that? Elijah Herbal for U.S. Senate. Please. please 20, vote for me. 2030. 2030. Make it happen. Uh, we will spend some time. You know, Bill Dolman is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he'll have a take or two. Uh, you know, he, he won't get to watch the open practice tomorrow because it's not televised. That'd be kind of cool if it was streamed. But uh, no doubt the spring game is... I'm going to try and get him back here for that. We're going to work on him here in about five minutes to have a Bill Dolman welcome home party and get him back here for the spring game. Jump on a train, crash in the basement... Feed treats to the the Labradoodle and German Shepherd so they don't take your blanket and make an appearance. All right, Hour 2 is coming up. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network. Shortly, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. In hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Rick Pizzo is coming up, Big Ten Network. We say hi to the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill Dolman with us, and Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D., we are going to uh, to set your official visit or unofficial visit date for May 1st, the spring game. Get on a train, get here, watch your Big Red team participate can we make that happen well i'd love for that to happen if the weather allows it i've got uh, you know about six inches of snow outside right now so merry christmas to one and all uh but yeah if the weather clears up and i'm able to you know get out of the winter fortress that is uh colorado I'd, you know certainly would love to see a spring game or at least see something that resembles spring of anything at this point yeah i can't help you with the snow condolences on that <laughs> uh, but I am thinking of you and your uh, Iditarod Huskies. But no, dude, getting here for spring game. We'll set up a, a Friday average Joe reunion, and uh, oh, that'd be fun. And we'll do uh, we'll do a May first uh, pregame. All right, and we're in, and the price will be right. I'm sure. Yes, you can either stay at uh, my mother's home or <laughs> can fight the dogs for uh, for the uh, for the for the couch in the basement. There we go. I'm in. All right, done. Hold him to it, Elijah. Me? Yeah, well, I'm saying the audio here. <laughs> oh, Blast I'll, I'll, this out. Bill Dolman's coming, coming to Lincoln May 1st. I was going to say, how do you want me to do anything about it? You want me to go to Denver and put a gun to his head? Like, no, not at all. I, Trank Dart. Trank Dart is, is how you do it. That I can do. You can jump on a train, Bill, can't you? Yeah, if the weather allows. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you and weather. Okay, uh, <laughs> you're dealing with the, the transfer rule. Uh, as a guy who's covered college uh, sports and, and football and basketball for, for many years, uh, what's your take? I, I just heard Brian Kelly say all the right things. Barry Alvarez told us earlier this week that he understands it, he gets it. Coach Brown, Ron Brown was with us yesterday. He gets that it's not fair for you know coaches to, to go team hop, but it's not not okay for kids to do it. So there needs to be a little bit of change to the old ironclad you lose a year if you leave. That's been blown out of the water thanks to COVID. So now it is uh, it is open season. You can leave in basketball and football and not lose a year. You have the ability to do that. Basketball, Bill's been dealing with the one and done and the transfer set up a little bit longer or they've adapted a little bit better because of smaller numbers for a while here. But football coaches want control. They really don't have control now. You know, I, I I think the theme of of what you what you said about Brian Kelly and Mary Alvarez and Ron and 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 others is this is just this is just the way it is now. Mm-hmm. So those of us who are you know old school enough to be in wear, wearing Rydell shoes, single bar face masks, uh, you know neck rolls and J pads, um, you know it's you got to adapt. And I, and I think for the most part, everybody has seen something coming. In recent years, now it has certainly, you know, been picking up a lot of steam. Probably over the last uh, three or four years, uh, that there was some inevitability to this. And I think part of it is you've got the NCAA losing its grip on 
its power over college sports. Who has that power right now? I, I don't. I really don't know. Uh, I think you're looking at the power. What is it? Power five conferences, or or whatever the case might be. But even even there, you've got conferences that are really holding on. I mean, the Pac-12. You know, sure they had a decent run in the NCAA basketball tournament, but you know, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of great leadership right now in the Pac-12. The Big Ten, as we know, is not what it was under Jim Delaney, although, it, but it's certainly a powerhouse in name. In name, mm-hmm. uh, the SEC, the ACC's got momentum. All, the, all of that. But so, are we are we looking at something in the the grand picture of collegiate athletics where the NCAA is is really losing its grip and eventually will? And are you going to have, as I said many many years ago, you know, sixty four? powerful schools that run their own organization. Um, and then you've got the NCA kind of governing over, you know, a, a different group of sports and schools. I, I, I don't know where we're going. And I'm not sure that, you know, that the NCA knows either, but they had to do something uh, to, to get on board with the direction that, you know, the players, the power that the players are getting, um, you know that they had to, they had to at least acknowledge that. So yeah, you knew it was going to happen. But what's it going to look like on the other side? And and I think that that's where the real danger is. You know, wh- why are these guys going to transfer? Certainly, you have the the name, image, and likeness. You know, coming down. And I've said for a long time, Nebraska seems to be poised at the forefront of that. And you've got an opportunity with a school like Nebraska where if you are a football player, basketball player, volleyball player, whatever, you've got an opportunity to do pretty well for yourself with your NIL. Whereas, you know, if you're going to UCLA, you're not, you're just going to be a, you know, a pebble on the, on the beach mm-hmm. because there's so much, so many other celebrities and places that are, the money's going. So what's that going to look like? What's going to entice somebody to transfer from one school to another, is it going to become a bidding war? Are we are we going to see some some semblance of free agency? Will there be a time in the coming you know years where uh, where you're actually going to pay players a salary? And again, at Nebraska, it can't all be just about football and men's basketball. Nebraska women's volleyball players could do extremely well with NIL and the opportunities to make some money. So there's just so much out there in this this vast landscape that we're entering into that that nobody's really talking about, and I fear that it's going to be every headache is going to be taken on as it comes, and not looking out well beyond it to say, okay, what could happen, um, and what is going to be the enticement to, to transfer from one school to the other, you know, and and I'm not going to cry for the power schools, but I still look at this going, how much money is invested? in going out and getting some 16, 17, 18-year-old kid to sign on the dotted line, you know, is it tens of thousands? Is it hundreds of thousands? How many man hours are spent on Zoom calls and texting and all that just to get a kid that you hope will be good? And then he's there for a year or two and decides, ah, I'm not happy here. I'm going to go over here. And there's no, there's no compensation for, again, it's a multimillion-dollar operation. I get that. But shouldn't there be some compensation of some sort to the school that loses the player when they invested so much time, money, and, and interest in getting him to begin with? You know, in, when you look at professional sports, 
typically if you lose a player, now sometimes there's the unrestricted free agent, but typically you might, you know, you lose a draft pick or you, you know, you got to pay some money back. I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't, but there's just so much out there right now that they're going to make this rule, which is where we're going, but what's on the other side of it and what's that going to look like? And I think that's, I don't, I'm not sure anybody's really looked into it that far. Bill Dolman's with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Bill Dolman on Twitter, NBC Sports, the Pride of Fairbury. Bill, what would your approach be right now if uh, you were the, uh, the new college football or basketball czar slash commissioner where you've got this free transfer rule? How would you advise, or even if you're a, a coach or a recruiting coordinator, how would you go about things? A, it's okay now to finish second in recruiting because that door can stay open and you don't burn a bridge. And if a kid goes someplace and it doesn't work out, look at Justin Field, started at Georgia, but man, he liked Ohio State, ended up transferring, worked out for him. Uh, same with, uh, with Burrow, right? Burrow ended up going somewhere because he couldn't win the job. At Ohio State, it worked out well. And, and the grad transfer is one thing, but the, the kid who isn't bought into the regiment or it's vastly different from kind of getting his own way throughout high school, just worst-case scenario, he's going to bolt, and it's going to be a discipline issue where he doesn't like the rules, doesn't want to follow the rules, I'm going to go someplace that will let me be me. And, and it might not be any different, but it, it's sure a heck of a sales pitch. Do you start recruiting the portal more? Do you get a deal done with the NCAA where you can have five scholarships available for transfer or you get a scholarship reimbursed if you lose a transfer student? I mean, can't can't that be part of the conversation? What's what's the, the best path forward here? Not only from a recruiting standpoint, but from a, a compensation. How would you work that? I don't know. I, that's that's the thing, and I would I would bet that there's you know some guys in power suits you know in in a high rise office complex is going. I don't know either. Uh, I'm sure somebody does, uh, which is great. But right now, what you see is you you get the question asked of coaches and administrators is what do you think of the new rule? But you don't hear a lot of follow up conversation about you know about the NIL about uh, other sports. Um, you know, it, it's great that other sports have been able to have the, uh, you know, you transfer it from A to B and you get a play right away. Okay, that's, that's, all well, that's all well and good. But, you know, there, there's a certain market for certain athletes in certain, you know, areas of the country where they're not marketable. And, you know, you don't hear much about that. It's all about football and men's basketball. But in this, you know, climate of our culture, um, everybody's got to be in the conversation. So I, I don't know what the answer is to all that. And, I'm, but I, and I don't see anybody else expressing what the answer is to all that. You've got a lot of people advocating for the players, and that's great. They should be allowed to transfer. They should be allowed to play right away. Okay, that's fine. That's going to happen. But what happens when it doesn't work out at that school? And what happens if they don't get the money or they don't get the NIL or they don't, what, what's all going to happen to all this? You know, do schools get compensated? And again, it, they're multi-million dollar operations. So don't cry for them necessarily. But yeah, you're probably going to have somebody on staff now. You know, we've got what? Offensive analysts and defensive analysts and player personnel directors. You might have schools now, you know, hiring on the 
uh, the the transfer portal recruiting coordinator. You know, um, is that going to be part of of the new uh, of the new era? Um, I, I just I just marvel at, at how vast the, of a territory we're we're entering into without a lot of answers, mm-hmm. other than players are going to finally have the opportunity to go from A to B. And beyond that, who knows what it's going to look like. I, I, you know, I fear for some schools, maybe, maybe all schools, what's this going to do to team chemistry? You, know, you, you bring in these guys that you've, you've, you've wined and dined and, and you've gotten them to come in and some of them have been committed to your program for two or three years and, and the next thing you know, they're in the program, but then you hear that, wait a minute, there's another quarterback over here, especially in the quarterback position. That's, that's unhappy at Georgia or unhappy at Ohio State or whatever the case might be. And here you are at Nebraska waiting your turn, but then, you know, the, this shiny object is out there on, you know, in, in Ohio or in Georgia or wherever the case might be. And all of a sudden you're looking over your shoulder like, well, what are, you, what am, what are they going to do? Are you going to bring somebody in? You know, what does that do to team chemistry and camaraderie, which is different in colleges, in the college ranks, than it is in the, in the pro ranks. Mm-hmm. Pro ranks, for the most part, guys understand that, you know, you can be whacked at any point. You can be traded. You know, your job's online, and it's a business. But some guys may not quite comprehend that in the college level. Like, are these guys always going to be looking over their, over my shoulder for somebody else to come in and take my job? It's, you know, I, I think that's going to be an issue, too. Well, and there needs to be a, a point of work hard, get better, develop. It's okay to not be Trevor Lawrence or Tommy Frazier. And, and, and start by your sixth game as a true freshman, you know, as a redshirt freshman or even as a sophomore. I mean, you've had a handful of quarterbacks that, that got, just got one year and then went to the NFL. I mean, that, that has happened. Guys have waited their turn. Mac Jones, you know, is, is he great or is he a guy that was surrounded by incredible talent? You know, yes, you can answer yes to both. But he's only a one-year starter because guess who he who he sat behind and paid his dues to, you know, <laughs> guys that are starting quarterbacks right now, guys that are high-level picks. So that's that's very interesting with the chemistry, Bill. Before we go, uh, the over/unders came out with uh, all of the NFL out of Vegas, and uh, I want your take here. The over/under on wins for Denver is at seven and a half. How does that number grab you? Probably pretty accurate. Uh, I'm not sure where that half a win is going to come from, um, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, and they I, win seven I, or eight is my question. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, well, I, given given the Broncos, they they might find a way to get a half a victory. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I, like we talked about last week, uh, I, it's all going to come down to the development of of, of Drew Locke, and I, I think that that's the hand that they're going to play. Uh, you've got the kid from North Dakota State who's kind of become the, the sexy name this week going mm-hmm. into the draft. But I, I, I really get the sense out here, and I've kind of followed a little bit more since we've talked, that that's the guy, and they're going to ride or die with him this year. And and he might be good enough to get you uh, seven and a half wins. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's a game changer. But you know, I think he's probably a serviceable quarterback, and you know, it's going to depend on what they put around him. And he probably ought to be a little bit better, knowing that they're not going to bring in Deshaun Watson now. Uh, but he'll have the pressure of being this is this is my break make or break season. And uh, I, I don't think they'll if, if he doesn't get seven and one half wins this year, they'll definitely go find somebody next year. 
Yeah, they'll give Locke one more season. And I don't know, though, if, if they if they get one of the quarterbacks to him in that spot, I'd, I'd look at it. I don't know. That's just me. I'd look they at might. it. They might. Who knows? But, uh, you know, nobody's talking about the Broncos all that much right now, which is actually kind of surprising. Uh, nobody's talking about the uh, the Avalanche either because they've had to shut down. Mm-hmm. And nobody's talking about the Nuggets because Murray got hurt. And nobody's talking about the Rockies because they play the Dodgers every night. And for the last five years, they've not beaten the Dodgers, but more than like once or twice. So it's not exactly a, a great uh, a great era of professional sports. Although the Avalanche are playing pretty well, mm-hmm. but they had to shut down for like the next two weeks. So. Uh, that's unfortunate for them. So it's not exactly a, a big professional sports market at this uh, at this moment. Billy D., uh, we'll get you a Fairberry brand, and we'll see you next week. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll see you on May 1st. All right, then. Uh, 98 days to the Summer Olympics. Take care, bud. See you. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big Ten buffet time as we head into the weekend. We say hi to Rick Pizzo at BTN, Rick Pizzo. Rick, what's good, man? How are you? Busy weekend, my man. We got the Big Ten kind of dominating in volleyball, right? You got six teams all winning in the second round, all moving on to the regional semifinals this weekend, including top seed uh, Wisconsin. The Huskers are in there, look really good in their opening round or second round sweep, I should say. So that's kind of where our focus is this weekend, but also... You know, it's that time of the year where you get spring games, some more publicized than others, uh, and you get to kind of get a gauge a little bit of where the football teams are going to be when they open in the fall. Yeah, and uh, not not the spring game, but uh, 4,000 eyeballs uh, on Nebraska tomorrow as they'll have an open practice, and I'll be front and center with a few folks bundled up uh, ready for an open practice. And, you know, what are you intrigued about here? Uh, with Nebraska, specifically on the offensive side of the ball here. where Where's your kind of anticipation or excitement level here for the Big Red this spring? Because, you know, it's kind of moved from, you know, it's time for Nebraska to show up and do their thing to there's been some movement uh, to optimism, excitement, uh, but still ready and, and and cautious about boarding the hype train, Rick. Yeah, I think cautious is the right word, Chris. Cautiously optimistic, right? Mm -hmm. So you know who the quarterback is going to be. There's no more questions about kind of the back and forth. And I think you and I may have touched on this in the past. I think the big question is going to be who's the game breaker offensively because you need one in this offense. Preferably you have multiple in this offense. But who is going to be that guy that can kind of take the top off that keeps – opposing defensive coordinators up at night trying to figure out, you know, how you stop them. And you think about it's not just the Ohio States, but kind of teams that maybe made a little bit of a jump over the past three or four years. Or you even look back to a decade ago when Michigan State started to make its jump. They had one or two guys who were Big Ten receiver of the year. And you look at when Purdue made a little bit of a jump a couple of years ago and having Rondale Moore now they weren't able to sustain that because injuries to more. So, so you think about those kind of things. You need someone offensively who can give your quarterback the ability to improvise, buy time, and to give your running back a little bit of extra space because linebackers and safeties are all worried about the game breaker. Does Nebraska have that guy after the departure of Wandale? I think that's something that you really have to be 
focused on and watching the spring and certainly through fall ball. Rick Pizzo's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Big Ten Buffet time. Rick, we'll get to some NFL draft thoughts here in a moment. I want to go to Big Ten baseball here. I, I saw Baseball America's projected field of 64, and Nebraska's a two-seed. It, it looks like uh, Michigan's a two-seed in the South Bend Regional, and, and Ohio State sneaks in as a three-seed. I know Indiana's uh, up there in the conference standings as well. But your overall gauge on the Big Ten, three bids doesn't sound uh, like enough for a Power Five. Will Bold has been saying, look, he thinks the, the Big Ten's good enough to be a five-bid league uh, in most seasons. What's your gauge on the league so far? I agree with Will. I think most seasons that's the case. I think the league was really hurt by the pandemic last year. You know, momentum had really been built. Michigan to the College World Series, and other teams prior to that, you mentioned Indiana. Obviously, Nebraska is always hanging around. You know, the Hoosiers made that run with Smith eight, ten years ago and really started to, I think, gain some respect for the Big Ten. And I think last year and not being able to do what the teams needed to do in the Big Ten really took a lot of momentum, certainly from a national respect perspective away. And then this year with no Big Ten tournament, how exactly do you handle these teams where there's no auto bid? I think there's just a lot of questions. I think at the end of the day, Chris, the league will get four. I do think that whether it's Indiana having a little bit of a run, I think Michigan and Nebraska will end up getting a little bit more respect by the end of the year. I don't know if I've one maybe as a two seed go into the region with the two worst one seeds so you do have a chance to move on once you get to those super regionals I, I don't know I mean I think that this is a battle that the Big Ten has been fighting for a long time and unfortunately because of the weather restrictions and because you have games canceled especially early in the season and in this year you're playing games outside the geographic footprint I think it's a battle the Big Ten's going to face unfortunately most seasons it is. And what's going to change minds is the ability to, to do the non-conference games that you see scheduled in California, Arizona, Texas. Can you match up with some Big 12, some SEC, some Pac-12 yep. powers and, and do well and, and help out your own RPI? A, a league-only schedule uh, is, is kind of aiding and abetting this this outlook, I think, for, for the Big Ten this postseason. Absolutely agree. So, Rick Pizzo's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Big Ten Buffet. Rick, uh, got to hear from Fred Hoiberg yesterday. A couple of additions here in Nebraska. A top 15 recruiting class for the mayor and company. And uh, lots of excitement. There was some progress made uh, for Nebraska. I know they didn't have a, a total, a high total of wins in the Big Ten, but they were competitive. As you look at Nebraska's roster, uh, just real quick, you know, where are you at with, with where Nebraska could move, taking steps forward in conjunction with the, the rest of the league? I mean, the league was really tough and really good this year, uh, and I, I expect it to continue to be that way, but I don't know if the league will be as good next year as, as they were this year. You know, can Nebraska continue to climb that ladder and, uh, you know, make uh, – make a, a statement here next season to be in the thickest some postseason discussions. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard next season, Chris. I think it's two years. I do, because I think you get that recruiting class in. They're still freshmen, right? And you're playing in this league. To your point, will not be as good as it was last year. I mean, last year's regular season was at least statistically and by the metrics, the greatest conference regular season that any Power 5 league 
has ever had, that any league has had in Division I college basketball. So it would be tough to match that, but you still have some really good players. You still have the best collection of coaches in all of college basketball. Fred certainly falls into that category, but you're trying to do so with a really young team. And I know you got the highest touted recruit individually and one of the mm-hmm. best, if not the best, recruiting seasons in history coming in, but you still have to develop those guys. You still have to get them ready for Big Ten basketball. So I think this next year, the 21-22 season, we'll see improvement and some growth. I think then it's that class when you keep them for their sophomore seasons and mix them in with that veteran leadership, if you look at 2022-23, that's the year I think that maybe you look for that biggest jump in the early stages of Fred's career. Rick Pizzo's with us, and, and I think two years for sure. We'll see where they end up. Uh, McGowan's a lot of excitement with him. You've, you've got, uh, I think, 70% of your scoring back here with yep. that extra season. Nebraska's got to find a point guard. they got to take care, better care of the basketball or develop some guys into being uh, more steady or reliable point guards. It could happen. They'll have more practice time, but I like what Fred's doing. Rick, you are loaded up, man. NFL draft is nearing. We're two weeks away. You are uh, locked in with so many of the prospects. You've got just a ton of Big Ten talent that'll go first round, potentially a couple of Penn State guys in the first round. Of course, Justin Fields, where does he go? Payne out of Michigan, slated to go in the teens. And, of course, two first-round projected picks in Slater and Newsom for Northwestern. Pretty banner uh, draft potentially here for the Big Ten. Yeah, you could see, I think, seven Ohio State guys defensively drafted, wow. 12 overall. Uh, I mean, one of the fastest movers. I'm glad you mentioned Rashawn Slater, the offensive lineman from Northwestern going up the draft board. Another guy that's been jumping who's not going to be a first-rounder, but I have the chance to interview him later this weekend is former Illinois wide receiver Josh Matterbebe. Mm-hmm. Posted a 46-and-a-half-inch vertical. You think about a guy like D.K. Metcalf and what he can do from a pure, pure physical standpoint if you go on the right team. Matterbebe, to me, could be a day two or three absolute steal. I think there's no chance that Justin Fields is around. I've seen projections having him at 15. I don't think there's any way that he goes by the 49ers, the Jets, the Panthers, all of his most recent pro day, all kind of with some quarterback questions or huge quarterback questions for a couple of teams. I think eventually it's going to be really hard for somebody, a GM or a scout, to pull the trigger on a guy like Trey Lance out of North Dakota State before you do it with Justin Fields, who's beaten Clemson and faced Alabama. So I think you're going to hear a lot of Big Ten names early, but I think probably the guy who has the most immediate impact is going to be Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. He's going to be off the board early. He is a physical freak. He is sideline to sideline as fast as any linebacker that we've covered. He hits like a truck, and he really knows football. I mean, he's not one of those linebackers who could just come in and be a heat-seeking missile. He understands how to play the game. I think he's going to be a plug-and-play guy in year number one. Based on the system that he goes to, he's going to be an early pick, so you're probably not going to a very good defense. He's going to be a guy that, to me, in year one and year two is going to load up with 90, 100 tackles. He's going to be really fun to watch. Selfishly, I I have seen him go to the Giants, projected to slide to your New York Giants. I'd be okay with that, my friend. (laughs) I was going to say, you'd be be as happy as I'll get out. The thing with Parsons is, and you nailed it, I mean, what was it? We're talking 4-5, 4-4. I mean, his 40 time was nuts. I remember him being being here uh, when when Riley was coaching, part of the Friday Night Lights, you know, June recruiting circuit, and he's running go-routes down the sideline a linebackers beating 
defensive backs for for 50-50 balls, and that's on the offensive side. He was a guy at Penn State that didn't have a lot of sack numbers. Now, he had TFL numbers, but he was so good in that, that drop zone area they let him just do whatever, but they didn't necessarily treat him like Lawrence Taylor's, you know, position where they just blitz him all the time. Correct? That was no. But think about right. Think about what linebackers are these days in the NFL. Right? They're not those guys that are just standing outside in right. three four or way outside in the four three and rushing the quarterbacks because you have gone to a more college style system in the NFL. These quote unquote flankers or these mm-hmm. slot receivers who are just so dangerous. But you also have really athletic pass-catching tight ends. You can't cover all those guys with defensive backs. Nobody's playing, you know, a 3-8 in the NFL system. So you need a linebacker who can cover a really athletic tight end. Can you cover uh, Travis Kelsey? Can you cover, you know, Mike Parsons can do that, but then he can also get into the backfield. I just think that right now with where the NFL is offensively, he is a linebacker that every defense is going to covet. To flip it around, Rick Pizzo's with us. Rondale Moore, I mean, just a freak athlete, incredible. Do you see his stock rising between now and draft day? I've seen second or third round, but do you think he may sneak into the first, or is the size the concern? I think not just the size, but the injuries. And sure. I think there was a little bit of question about his desire. How much did he really want to come back from that injury and play after that All-American freshman season? To me, he's a guy that's going to have to be the right system. He's not just a, boy, this is a wide receiver we can draft and he can go play vertical, he can go play across the middle, he can play in the slot. Now, would the Patriots love him in their system? Absolutely. Would the Chiefs love him in their system? Absolutely. But again, what wide receivers don't want to play with Patrick? They don't want to play with Tom Brady, another spot that I think they would fit. I think Rondale could be a really good long-time wide receiver in the NFL. I think he has to be in the right system. I mean, you put him on the outside time and time again against NFL corners who can run, but guys who are also going to be 6'1", 6'2", you know, 190, 205, that's a really tough matchup. You can't expect him to go up vertical high point of football and come down with it 50-50 against those guys. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Rick Pizzo's with us. Rick uh, spoke with Russ Landy. He's done work with you in the Big Ten Network, draft analyst, former scout for uh, Cleveland and, and the Rams. And uh, talked to him about some of the Nebraska kids. Uh, he says Hymas could be a third or fourth round guy. He expects Boodle to be drafted. He thinks there could be three Huskers that go. Hymas is a guy that, that they're thinking can play a lot of different spots. And uh, and that's good news for Nebraska. Uh, as, as Coach Frost is looking to get more and more guys into the NFL, fell here with uh, the, the next wave of guys. Before we wrap, what's your read and take on, on Fields? There's been so much information, information, disinformation on Justin Fields. I see number three overall to San Francisco, and then you touched on a little earlier, him falling all the way to the teens. What do you believe about his transition to the NFL uh, here within the, the next couple of weeks? Yes, he'll be a first rounder, but where do you think he fits? Well, I think you bring up an interesting point about the information, misinformation. Uh, I spoke with a couple of uh, guys earlier this week about this. And, you know, the draft is a little bit shady when it comes to that kind of stuff because I have spoken with multiple coaches and players, both on and off the record, about Justin Fields. 
and any concerns or questions that we've heard from the outside about his work ethic, they say are completely unfounded. Mm. They believe that that information is coming from teams who are going to be picking between 10 and 15 and trying to get that information out there to scare off teams like the 49ers, like the Jets, who may be interested in Darnold. That absolutely happens within the NFL. Mm -hmm. You share this information, you hope that ah, maybe it drops a guy in the draft board a question, and instead he's available at 10 or 12, where otherwise he would not have been. I have heard nothing but the opposite, that Justin Fields has worked tirelessly to improve his craft. And if you watched his first pro day, and the throwing exhibition that he put on and how perfectly choreographed that routine was. He showed off all the different footwork, all the different throws. To me, I understand that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first pick. There's no question about it. But after that, if you're looking for a quarterback, you're telling me you're going to go Zach Wilson or Trey Lance before Justin Fields. To me, that just doesn't make any sense. Look at that Clemson game last year. It was one of the best games, if not the best game, a Power 5 quarterback played all year against the Clemson team that nobody gave Ohio State a chance to beat, and Fields was unbelievable. That's the guy that you want, the guy who has already played against defenses that were full of future NFL players. Lawrence will be the first quarterback taken. If I was a scouter or a GM who needed a quarterback after Lawrence, I'm taking Justin Fields, and I'm not thinking twice. Well, and you were there for, for the pro day at Ohio State. You were on with us right after leaving Columbus, so you saw firsthand. And you've seen a lot of dudes, man. You've been around NFL uh, draft picks, uh, future first-round guys, and uh, he, he left quite an impression on you, it sounds like. Yes, he did. And he's really impressive in interviews, too. It's not just the physical ability. Mm-hmm. He is not a huge rah-rah guy. He's, you know, he became more of a leader his last year at Ohio State because Ryan Day needed him to. But that is developed at the NFL when you're a quarterback. You don't just step in as a rookie and everybody says, you're our leader. You need to prove that you can be a leader. You do it with your play. You do it with the way you handle yourself. Justin Fields will do all those things, not just above average, but exceptionally above average. It'll take a year or two. But I think this is a guy who is going to be a huge benefit to whoever decides to draft him. Talking NFL draft, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network. Rick, take care. Have a great weekend. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for the time. That's good. That's always my pleasure, Smitty. Take care. Good stuff from uh, Rick Pizzo. Let's get you an update with Nebraska baseball. They're up one nothing in the third, bottom of three. And uh, Nebraska stranding a golden opportunity. He had a leadoff triple by Jackson Hallmark. He stayed at third in the top of the third. And uh, Nebraska unable to add to their lead. But, you know, this is really all about what Nebraska does this weekend against Penn State. Penn State's a team that's, you know, they're, they're all right. They're Division One, <laughs> But they're three or four games below five hundred, And they just don't have consistency. And Nebraska's going to have to be uh, locked in on the mound, stay Fired up uh, offensively. I mean, they've averaged six, six and a half runs the last several outings in uh, in Big Ten play. And when it, when you come to the the, the conference race here, Nebraska's uh, right there, uh, and, and they lead uh, Michigan and in, in Indiana, and you have Ohio State. And right now, uh, Nebraska still has to play Michigan or Indiana. So I think this is a good team. I think there's lots of talent. I don't disagree with any of that. You just want to see them do work against Indiana, do work against Michigan, and and take care of business against teams they should take series from. Yeah, and I don't even think that Penn, or Nebraska should win this series against Penn State. I think they should, should sweep, sweep this Penn State team. I mean, if you're trying to stay on top of the Big Ten, uh, this is a team that you got to just – 
put into the dirt. I mean, if you want a, a symbol of how much Penn State cares about their baseball program and, and how much they actually care about it, just go look at the, the video feed that they're putting out in BTN+. Plus. If you go to the Huskers baseball Twitter page, mm-hmm. go look at the highlights they're posting because that's directly, Very grainy. that's directly from Penn State. I don't think there's any commentators on there. And the video feed looks straight out of 2005. Like, it, it, it's bad. It's a bad, bad video feed. This is a guy who's coming from a guy who's worked for the Nebraska video department. Um, that's terrible. That's minimum effort. That camera that they're having on the game. They just flipped the switch on. That looks like somebody turned around their webcam on their laptop and just put it on the field. Mm. It is absolutely awful. Um, and you, you can't take a, a video feed to say how good a, a baseball team is, but that's awful. One thing about uh, Nebraska, though, is is the buy-in. And Will Bolt talked about that this week here how uh, he had talent when he got here, but it's all really kind of come together a little bit from Will Bolt here this week. Again, I'll always just continue to point to the upperclassmen on this team and, and just the character of the guys that were already here, um, the talent that was already here. Um, you know, again, yeah, we're asking them to, to play a little bit of a different style of baseball. Um, but again, they're, they're just all high character uh, young men, and, and they were – just welcomed us with open arms and and were open-minded uh, to learn and to you know and I you know we came into this situation yeah I, I didn't recruit these these upperclassmen but I knew a lot about them just having followed the program so knowing what skill sets they had um, what they could bring to the table these guys have just been tremendous to coach um, from that aspect the, the older guys because they've just they've really bought in uh, quickly and when your older guys buy in that uh, just kind of trickles down to the rest of the roster and the rest of the team. And, and uh, you know, that's that's what those guys have brought. And it's just it's made the transition uh, pretty seamless. Here is a bit of a scouting rundown from Will Bolt on Penton State when Nebraska is facing again up one nothing here, bottom of three. They've played well at times. Um, you know, they're they're right there, um, you know, in that the, the group of teams that are kind of right in the 500 range. Um, they've. They've swung the bats really well at times. Um, I feel like they've got very experienced starting pitching, guys with good stuff, uh, guys that can navigate through a lineup. Um, they, they're very experienced that way. I think they've got a couple of really good bullpen arms as well. Uh, pretty veteran lineup, um, and, and they try to create some offense. They've got some guys that want to bunt. they got guys up and down the lineup that can run. Um, I do know that, and they're going to try to – you know, create a little havoc um, where with a bunt game, maybe a slash here and there, some hit and runs and those type of things. So um, just like everywhere, every everybody else in this league, we've got to show up and play our best if we want to have this the results that we want to have this weekend. Well, one nothing. And I don't disagree with you. It's easier to say than do to sweep. But Nebraska didn't get the sweep last weekend, but took two out of three. Very impressive Sunday, super high-level Friday. Uh, And uh, I will have to check out the grainy video feed that you are so distraught over. We'll wind out a Friday. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, weekend edition tomorrow morning. Mark Cranack is back. Myself, Elijah Herbal in as uh, we'll get the table sent for your 
open practice Saturday with Nebraska Spring Football 2021. Uh, Rewind will be with uh, Nebraska offensive analyst and longtime coach Ron Brown. Today, good stuff from Bill Dolman on the transfer situation. Good to hear from Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity. And uh, you just got caught up with Rick Pizzo. A uh, reminder about moving in 2021. West Blue Realty is who you got to call. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding community. They'll make uh, this move a smooth one for you for a limited time. You mentioned Hale Varsity and West Blue Realty can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby and Kelly Hofschneider make it happen with West Blue Realty. Give Tom Luby a call at 402-540-3768 today or Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue Realty. Log on today, westbluerealty.com, and get an appointment with them at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Now, are you looking at moving some agricultural land and uh, listen, West Blue Realty can help with that. They have experience in selling ag land. They have an auctioneer. They can handle anything from live auctions to sealed bids to general land listings. They've sold land in Lancaster, Odo, Seward, and counties all across the great state of Nebraska. They've handled a large radius of land, westbluerealty.com. What is on the agenda tonight, Elijah Herbal? Uh, let's see. I got to work in the morning, so probably taking a Benadryl about 7.30 and going to bed early. So you're going to crash? Um, I, I say that now. I'm sure I won't. I'm sure it's just going to be. You going to go hoop? You going to go grub? It's, it's The weather is not great for uh, for basketball. I do know my dad has some uh, spaghetti, meatballs, and margaritas at his house. That is a combo. That's a, It's a combo and a half. I'm it not, is. I'm not sure how he thought is of it. it. Is it uh, blended or on the rocks? Do you have a preference? I, I believe it is blended. See, that's good. I believe I'm not sure if he's like actually blending it though, like live. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the situation. Mm-hmm. He just texted me. He said spaghetti, meatballs, and margaritas at my house. If you're hungry, and Bang. I'm like, okay, I can do that. So that's we'll, probably the dinner plan we'll, tonight. We'll see Papa Bear in a minute. I'm coming too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's it sucks outside. It's cold. It's rainy. It's wet. Two things happened today. I got my teeth fixed and I got a grill cover. So it was a win. Mm-hmm. Good day to get a grill cover. Right, and any day to get my teeth fixed is a, is a winner. The, uh, the the wife was throwing shade this week about my uh, tobacco consumption, about how my teeth look like picket fence. I'm like, ouch, wow. I don't get in there on your fangs, honey. <laughs> One of us had braces three times in her life, and it wasn't me. But, you know, I got piled on about that. But I was happy. Saw Dr. Goots today. He's phenomenal. And uh, I'm feeling all right. I can smile now and not, and not hear someone go, <laughs> at me so yeah see with, with uh my copious coffee drinking i've also i i i've just gone on instead of going in like the, the going to the dentist or whatever and getting the teeth white and just the, i i you do the strips i do the strips which they they always take it out of my pocketbook you know it's just, oh they're not they still like 50 bucks oh yeah oh mm. yeah but it, it is something that i feel like you know it's necessary gotta do it all right check out the podcast give us a review tell us what you think subscribe good bad or ugly uh spotify itunes google play and ESPNLincoln.com for the on-demand. Talk to you tomorrow morning at 7 on Hale City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.